If you're following me every week, you've noticed that I missed a couple weeks of episodes. I was on a business trip in the Philippines for most of the month, and although I had fully intended to pump out content while there, I quickly realized I was overly ambitious for thinking so. No worries. I'm back to my routine. By the way, isn't this a cool-sounding title for the episode? Unfortunately, there is zero talk of wolves. I simply thought it sounded dangerous. It's not without context, though. I think you'll get the picture. When I think of this week's guest, I think of the word integrity. Mark Abraham puts his money where his mouth is. Not literally, I hope, but he definitely does it figuratively. He's someone that people who know him trust. He does business and trust really well. Let's get to know him. Hey, welcome to Chasing the Kingdom, where our goal is to provide hope and wisdom for spirit-led entrepreneurs. I'm John Balawa, and I believe God wants to use entrepreneurs to make the world better. Romans 8.19 says that the world is decaying and groaning for the revealing of God's sons and daughters. And that means the world needs you. And there are problems that can't be solved until you step into your God-given identity. If you want to stir up those gifts, then you're in the right place. Let's get hyped up for today's show. I would like to introduce our next guest today. Uh, today we have Mark Abraham, someone who has been an impact on my life. I don't think I ever told you that when I met you, I had lost my business. I th actually, I think I told you that part. What I didn't tell you about was that when I first met you, I knew I wanted to work with you. I wanted to work with, at the company and I wanted to work with you. I knew it. And I, I told, went home and I told my wife, that's where I'm going to work. And you told me, like, I, I guess there was enough of a connection to where, like, you told, you were basically telling me I have the job, but you didn't tell me, like, how long it would take. And you couldn't tell me how long it, it would take. And so it was a period of six months, I think, six months from when I first met you before you gave me the call uh, to, with the job offer. And, during that time, I kept telling everyone I was going to work there. And after the first month, I think everyone started thinking I was crazy. <laughs> uh, because I was so adamant. This is where I was going to work. But I, it was more than, it was more than um, just my heart. It was, it was something in my spirit was saying, this is where I was supposed to be. Now, to give you context... Um, it was extremely traumatic to to um, lose a business, but then you work so hard to have these skills, and and uh, sales is one of my skills. I have worked really hard, really hard to hone the skills and to become very good at it in the right way. Because I'm not the type of guy who sells who will sell a used car that is broken down to somebody. Um, you know, that type of stereotype. Uh, I really believe in integrity. I really believe in telling the truth. So I hone my skills to be able to sell stuff that I believe in. If I believe in it and I and it solves problems, I can get go in there and sell that thing. But 
losing a business, you tend to just, at least I did, work for anywhere where you could support your family. And man, you you, you get taken, taken advantage of because you, you know, here I was, this skill that I worked so hard um, selling stuff that weren't, you know, they weren't bad, but it just, you know, it's not, it's not what I was used to selling. It wasn't solving any problems. It was just there to make a paycheck. And so in those type of systems, you could kind of get abused, you know, uh, you are just a cog in the wheel. And so when I talked to you, I was like, this is where we're supposed to be. I knew there was something different about you. You had this type of leadership that would, I felt, uh, I could add what I could bring to the table and we could do something really special together. But here we go, six months of not hearing. You know what I did? I took my car and I drove around full sail, I think every week. And I was, it was like uh, Jericho, right? The, the, <laughs> the Israel going around Jericho, uh, singing and praising God. And so the walls came down and that's exactly what I was thinking about. And I would worship God just circling and circling and mind you, my wife is knowing I'm doing this because like, where's he going? I'm going over to full sale and I'm going to go around and I'm going to, to worship God. Um, I, I know there's security there. I was never stopped by security, but I'm surprised that I was never stopped. <laughs> but I kept doing that over and over again. And after six months, when everyone just gave up on that, idea of me getting that job you gave me the call and you're like let's get let's get this going and so i kind of just wanted to give that testimony to god like um he's the one who brought us together and i think you and i kind of did do something special while we were there absolutely and thanks for sharing that too that's a, that's such a fun story and i think back to those days and you know we were we were kind of piecing everything together together and I think that you coming in really was able to help the entire team learn how to sell the right way with honesty, with integrity and accountability. And I think that that flowed through there for years to come after that. So I appreciate that you waited the six months and did what you did. You know, I, I remember you telling me, um, you were just like completely honest. You said, I don't know if we're going to be around in a year. This like... Uh, <laughs> You're like, because what we did is we sold, uh, for you listeners out there, we sold uh, college education on the internet. And that was a new concept back then. And and you were very forthright with me. You said, I, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> so as long as you're okay with the possibility of not having a job in a year, let's do this. <laughs> and I was okay. I remember one time my uncle, who's a role model of mine, John's met him before his name was John and well um he worked at full sale for years and he pulls me in whenever he gets wind that they wanted me to be involved in the launching of the online degree programs and he said he said to me don't get involved in that he said that is not sustainable they will open something up and try it and it'll go for a couple months or maybe a year or two and then it's just kind of they'll move on to the next thing and what's so funny is we look back now and how funny it is that, you know, the online model is probably the thing that sustained them and other schools throughout COVID and throughout everything we've been through for the last couple of years. So if it wasn't for the foundation that we laid 
back then when we were having those conversations, who knows what would have happened. So you just never know on a day-to-day basis, those little tiny decisions or the little tiny actions that you take, how they'll impact others for years to come. That idea, I mean, online education actually became the saving grace of, of Full Sail. Um, it became uh, what caused the biggest growth. Um, and it's just so odd because I think the biggest the biggest returns come when you take the biggest risks, right? Hmm. But now you are helping people connect their faith with their finances and you have your own business now and you went off. Could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? I think to bridge from the last conversation, the risk and the reward piece is important to recognize. Um, for me, you know, back there where we were and the schools that I worked with, that was always very safe and secure and, you know, to take a risk and it's really, you know, through a lot of prayer and and communicating with my wife, Jen, you know, what we, what we should do, what God would have us to do. And it just pointed us towards this direction of, you know, financial advising and helping people be wise with their money so that then they can do good to others. And that's ultimately the goal, right? You know, we don't, we don't advise people to make money just to hoard it or stash it or, or that. It's more or less, they, we want them to, to do good with the money to do good to others with the money and to be generous. And I think that that's probably the most important thing to me is that I bring values that line up with exactly what I do on a daily basis. Back in 2015, I went through a program called LifeWork Leadership here in Orlando. And it, it was basically how do executives across the city take their influence and incorporate Jesus into their leadership style and so at the time I was still over with the schools, working with the schools, this was a wonderful program. And one of the topics of the class, one of the classes was about calling. And it really hit me kind of between the eyes. And I felt like, wow, there's something else I'm supposed to do, but I'm really not 100% sure what that is. And opportunities came and went and came and went. And none of them really um, hit me in the soul and in the heart. And so as I was figuring out what it was that I kind of was put on the planet to do, finances came up, started to listen to Dave Ramsey and, you know, had listened to him in the past and really enjoyed and understood those concepts. And, you know, those aren't exactly a hundred percent perfect for everybody, but they are perfect for the masses. And, um, and I think that that's really what got me into this piece, seeing how many people could be impacted and then generations to come with the proper advisement and the proper leadership and guidance throughout their financial journey. And really for me, it's all about kind of taking their hand and running alongside them more than anything. Right. I always tell people that I don't, I don't, they should never put money into something that they don't understand. So I try to come at it with the heart of a teacher and a leader kind of from previous experience more than anything, because I just want to make sure that what they worked hard for they understand what they're doing with it. I got, I got to tell you, I, I was actually kind of sh- um, surprised that you made the switch um, because you were so good at what you did. I kind of want to go into that a little bit, like because 
to give the listeners context, you came from a legacy. You didn't just come from like, uh, this is something that, you know, that you fell into. It was like your family was involved with this. Your, your, you know, you were, it, you were like born, it was in your blood, right? Um, like his, his, his uncle worked at the school and um, was an important person in the school. And so um, was it scary to, to make that transition? And the reason why I'm asking is because a lot of the community there, that's one of the main questions I get asked is like, how do you know what to do uh, with your life? And, and how do you make that switch? So like, let's see, you're, 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 you're starting to see that there's, there's a shift that you want to make. How did you get pinpoint that it was going to be the financial sector? And then two, like, how did you feel? Were you scared? And how did you overcome any of that? Yeah, that's a good question. And to give more context to it, even at, at the Full Sail family, uh, my family, Abraham's, they had a Christian rock group back in the day called Abraham and the Watchmen. They got into a car accident in the late 80s that forced them to come off of the road. And they were playing all over the world. And when that happened, my dad and my cousin decided to come to Florida and go to college at the time. It wasn't really even college at the time. It was a program on recording arts and show production that was run out of the back of a, a bus, basically in a parking lot. And so our family moved down here in the late 80s in order for my dad to pursue that after they had to come off of the road. And so my dad still is at wholesale and to this day, he's been there over 20 years now. Uh, my cousin was there until he passed from cancer. My uncle was there until just recently uh, when he passed a couple years ago. My aunt helped with setting up the financial aid department. Uh, and my wife, who I met at wholesale, she's been there over 20 years now as well. And so there's a long legacy. I was there for 13 years. So there's a long legacy there that um, on paper, you would think, wow, this is difficult to walk away from. But the piece that I had was not, did not make it difficult. Um, and I think the planning, so there's a two things, there's the prayer and the peace and then the proper planning that goes into, uh, making sure that it makes sense and then alignment with spouse. So for us, you know, I, I brought it up to Jen and we were just chatting through it and she knew that I was kind of going through this, this struggle a little bit of. There's something that I know I'm meant to do, but I'm not quite sure what it is. And so we ended up, I took uh, like a values assessment and I would recommend this to anyone. I think it's think to perform their cards and they come in a deck and it's values assessment. And so you lay them all out on the devs and you basically narrow them down to this half is important to me. This half is not. When I'm talking about values, my en ended up being, my top five ended up being faith, family, legacy, fun, and excellence. And so you basically go down and narrow down on these cards what you hold most dear uh, when you're making decisions and the lens through which you see things. And those are mine. And that's where I kind of got led towards this financial thing as well, because what I do on a daily basis checks off every one of those top five boxes. So that was important to me. Uh, as we discussed, as Jen and I discussed this decision, uh, we basically, I, I expected her, and I tell the story all the time. I expected Jen, who was very much about stability and consistency, to be the one that said, that's 
that's a little bit crazy. Let's not do that. And let's stay in the position that you're in. At the time, I was vice president, right, for a school that the wholesale ownership team owned. And, um, you know, I had it to the point where over the years, we had really refined it to where I had a wonderful team with that I worked with on a daily basis. And, and my main job every day was to kind of manage the environment. Um, and so it was really enjoyable for me and we were hitting goals, we were exceeding goals and doing well. So that also factored into the decision too. You know, I'm not a quitter in any way and I wouldn't want to leave something that I didn't leave better than I found it for the next people that were going to take over that world. And so we had gotten it to where it was. Um, and Jen said, I think this is the right thing to do. And for me, that was kind of the, that was like the eye opening statement was when she was the one that was on board and I was the one that then felt a little nervous about it because I thought she was going to be the one to throw the brakes on and be the logical one and me be kind of this dreamer over here thinking it made sense, um, but she wasn't. She was the one that encouraged me to go further into the process and research it. So at that point, we put the plan in place. We prayed about it. We both got peace about it. And then the plan that we did in place, and this goes towards your question, John, um, I heard this statement a, a while back probably on the Dave Ramsey show, actually, where he said, you know, pull the pull the boat close enough to the dock before you jump so you don't get wet. And so for us, what we what that meant to us was I, we wanted to save at least one year of take-home pay that I was making at the time and just have it in the bank accessible. And that was probably the number one best thing that we decided to do because then when you come into a role, and to give perspective, I was I was doing well there with a vice president salary on, in a successful business, and then transitioning, there was no guarantee of anything. It's all what you do and put into it is what you get out of it when you own your own business. And so that part um, allowed me to serve clients and friends and family the way that I would would want to serve them, as opposed to feeling desperate and feeling like I'm trying to sell them something just so that I can put food on the table. And that was a really important aspect um, in terms of being successful in this business. I look back now four, four years later and, you know, now everything is, you know, really we've been blessed and it works out really well. But at the time that allowed me to not have that timidness and be afraid and, you know, feel like I had to do uh, business with people if, I, if it didn't make sense for the client. That's amazing. I think you articulated that really well because I didn't even think about that. Um, you know, when I, I've done that, I've switched careers at least twice that I could think of. Yeah. Um, and it is a huge risk. But one of the things that that I had was the agreement with Andrea. Um, that brought me peace. Now... Was there anything else that brought you peace? I, I hear people tell me sometimes um, when they make a switch, it's because they feel like the grace has left where they're at. Like they, there's there's something like they like it's a spiritual feeling. Like you know, the, the, God's hand is is kind of coming off this right here. I need to move. And then some some people feel like they they they're meant for more. Um, and anything else that could help kind of like the listeners recognize when, you know, they need to make a switch? You know, I will say that 
there was nothing at Full Sail or the schools that they owned that I worked alongside with. There was nothing that was that I was running away from. I loved it. I enjoyed it. On a daily basis, I left feeling fulfilled because I loved the people that I worked with. And I still to this day feel like if someone's going to go to school for what Full Sail or those colleges teach, then they would best spend their money going to Full Sail and the schools that they own. And so I wasn't running right thing. The performance was wonderful. Um, there was no pressure coming down from higher ups or colleagues or anything like that. I loved it. Um, I think that what it was, was I just had this kind of stirring in my soul that I knew that I had another 25 to 30 years to make an impact on this earth uh, for, for what I'm going to do professionally. And I felt like it was the right time to explore that. And if that never came, I didn't feel like the need to quit. I didn't feel like the need to run from anything. I was more running to what I had found than running from something that I'd have been experiencing. Um, the other thing that could factor in too, to kind of go along with this question is we have a six-year-old now. At the time, he was three, I think, two, three, three, whenever I transitioned. But uh, I transitioned in 2020 right before COVID, which we can go into that a little bit too, because that's an interesting topic. Yeah. But but um, I really had a desire, I, I felt, to build something that could be a legacy for Connor, that's our son, for Connor to then, if he so chose to, to get involved with at a young age and build up through a family business. I always felt like that would be really an interesting option for him. And so, you know, we, we already implement money things with Connor on a daily basis and, and not, not in a way that he should love money or serve money by any means, but because he knows that it's a tool that we can help more people when we have more of it. And so that's kind of where we are with him. And that was a, a big motivator for me that I wanted to build something that, that it could be like a family business. I think it's really important. And, and I think it's wisdom to, to kind of look forward to like what you actually want in life and what you want to build and children like are huge, huge for that. Like how, what kind of challenges did you experience going through COVID? And uh, because when did actually, what was the year that you left? 2020. 2020. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. So it's very interesting. So I had this thought and this feeling in 2015. And from that point forward, I was kind of searching just to figure out if something came along that made sense. Um, and then in 2019, that's when I found Thrivent, which is who I have my licenses with at this point. And we serve Christians basically, right? And so they aligned with my values. So I started to talk to Thrivent and the people there and found, oh, you have to get all these certifications and series this test and series that test. And so I went through that process. Um, actually, every night, it's kind of a funny story. In the evenings, we were helping Connor transition from a crib to a bed. And so I would sit guard outside of his door in his room in the hallway every night with my headphones on, studying for about nine months while I got through all the series tests and all of those things. And it was probably half an hour to an hour every night while I was sitting guard at his doorway so that he wouldn't come out and be crazy. So it was kind of fun. Um, I enjoyed the process of the studying in 2018. 19 at the end of 2019 i gave my notice and it was about a three month notice at that point because we had some things to tie up and so uh february of 2020 with my last day 
was also my first day of starting the business. So right before it hit, right before it hit, I actually went to Minneapolis to do a little bit of an orientation to understand a little bit more about the company. Um, and that was over Jen's birthday, so February 17th. And you had already been starting to hear about this ship off the coast of China and all these things happening. And, and so when I got back within a couple of weeks, the whole world shut down for a while. And, um, you know, it's, it was, it was, it wasn't scary. And the reason I say for, for me, it wasn't scary was because we had planned for, for we didn't know what, right? So because of the proper planning that Jen and I had done, we didn't expect anything. And we went into it fully expecting nothing. And so for that to be something that happened was, was really a benefit to me early in this type of career. Because you see what happens in a worst case scenario right in front of you playing out um, before you even really get into the business for the most part. So that was a real benefit, I thought. Timing is everything and God's timing was perfect in that. My gosh. You know, I there are only a probably a handful of of times I think we're we're all going to remember like um where we were on a particular a particular date. And I remember when that hit, I was, I was, uh, consulting for this company and, um, and I remember sitting in the office and we actually were in a co-working space. And so there were a bunch of businesses around us and everyone's leaving. Now the guy, my, my client, um, he was in Boston I'm over here in Orlando. His office is over here in Orlando, but he had to go on a business trip in Boston. And I'm calling him saying, Joe, like everyone's leaving. What's going on? I'm hearing like messages of like some kind of sickness or something. And and he he didn't take me seriously. He he hadn't heard it. And 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 then finally he heard the news and he's like, just go home. And then that was the end of that uh that that project we just i got got the notice later like we're going to end this project and all this stuff and i'll never forget that day um but my gosh you were actually launching you're getting ready you're actually you 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 brought the boat to the dock as close as yep. you can you made some wise choices but now you're going out and and you can't stop you can't stop you already launched um so what what kind of things did you do to build your business now that the world has gone inside their houses and and, and are hiding? Sure. You know, and and here's what's funny is I never once during that process felt like, oh, I got to turn this boat around and go back, or I've got to try something different that's guaranteed. Um, and like I said too, the timing was perfect because. I'm much more of a face-to-face relationship person that loves that type of leadership. And, you know, the team that I had completely shut down for months, if not years, where nobody was together together anymore. And that would not have suited my leadership style whatsoever. And so, again, we don't, I always think I have a lot of common sense. Well, God has common sense and foresight. I don't. And I didn't realize during all the studying and during the planning for the transition that, that that's one of the reasons that that happened and that timing happened that way. 
because I don't think that I would have been able to thrive in an environment that was new versus what it had been. Of course, we would have adapted, but the fact that I didn't have to go through that was such a wonderful gift um, and able to continue to build this business through that. And to answer your question on how how in the world do you build a business that's all referral-based, really, um, when you're just starting and nobody's going out of their homes? You know, I, again, I can't take any credit for that. That's a God thing. I mean, we prayed that every day that whoever was meant to come my way, please just help me serve them at, with them right in front of me with whatever their situation is. And that's just what happened. And I was very fortunate. I think some of the relationships that, that we'd been building in the past, um, you know, they saw what I was doing and reached out and, and they said, you know what, I never thought I might need somebody in that world, but let's chat. And so it was just a, a casual conversation that always started that way. And it just ended up to, to work out well. And I think that if you treat people well, and you're just not in it to make money, you're in it to actually help people, people see your heart and your genuineness. And then more comes from that than just trying to make a buck. So hope that helps answer that question. It does. Um, but it also is making me grateful because, it, you know, I just, I get really encouraged by stories. And, and as you're telling me, I, I'm seeing God's hand was on you. You know, he was with you the whole way. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the God we serve. And, you know, I've, been part of a, a, a number of entrepreneurial <laughs> um, projects and businesses to to know that it it could get tough. It could get really, really tough. And there are just things that happen that you don't foresee. Um, but it really does take trust. You know, if you're Christian or, and, and, and you believe in God, it really does take trust. And um, the fact you know like that you prayed every day and that you trusted him and that it wasn't even entering your mind go back that's kind of like the mentality you have to have mm -hmm. but also just makes me appreciate you because uh one of the things that i've seen you know going through my journey with full sale is that especially because we were basically a startup we were basically a startup within this big company and so many things, there were so many obstacles, you were always, you always had this peace about you. You know, you, you always like, whenever there was something really stressful going on, I never saw you like lose your cool. Um, and I'm sure you did behind the scenes and all that stuff, but uh, because you're human, but like, um, that's one of the things that, that, we kind of have to get better at uh, just as Christians, right? Is, is being able to trust and manage our emotions and mm -hmm. it paid off for you. You know, you've, you've, um, you've had this success because you're able to keep your peace. Yeah. I think too, that, you know, I, I made a point early on in my career to say that I was never going to serve upwards. Um, so I never tried to appease those above me by giving answers that weren't going to be accurate or overinflating things. I always wanted them to have the real information. And I also wanted to only serve those people that trusted me to serve them, right? That I was leading at the time. And so everything I did on a daily basis didn't have in mind 
how can I make myself or my department look better? It was always, how can I make those who report to me that their lives easier and less stressful? And I think that that is really an important aspect where I think a lot of times we try to impress those above us to get the next raise or the next promotion or whatever it might be. And I honestly think that if we serve those that report to us, then if the right people that you're reporting to them, the right people are above you, then they'll recognize that and honor that more than, than the other. So, you know, I think that that's a, an important way about it. Um, you know, I'm pretty even keel most of the time, just in general, you know, the highs and the lows don't move too far from the, the middle line. Um, but, you know, certainly I think there's times that things get a little more stressful, but the reality is what's the worst that can happen? You know, what's the worst that can happen? I always try to think through that. What's the worst and what's the best? And then I know kind of the the guidelines that we're playing in the middle of, because then I'm at peace with what the worst thing could be. And I'm at peace with what the, what the best thing is. And so as long as I know those boundaries and feel comfortable with both of them, then we can be free to be who we are in a leadership capacity um, and not worry about making mistakes. So that is awesome. I um uh... I have a guest coming up. Uh, we, we just need to schedule uh, the date. But he he um, has a very large business. It's a very large business. And um, his turnover is almost nothing. Right. Um, uh, in, in an industry where uh, the average is 60% turnover. Um, and I asked him, I was like, what what are you doing that's different? And there were a lot of things that he did different, but one of the things that he said was, he goes, if whenever I hire somebody, I look at them as a blessing that God sent me. Mm-hmm. And so he he takes that very seriously. Even if he has to fire them for something that they did, he he keeps the relationship. Oh, yeah. And um, there's that's just... That's just counterculture. You know what I'm saying? We're we're called to be holy. Holy means different. And and the 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 world is telling you, you know, treat people like a number, you know, like uh um it's uh, go for the, the the greater good and cut off people that that you may have to cut off and they're expendable. Whereas Jesus will leave the 99 and go after the one. And so it's so interesting to hear guys like you and this other guy saying, no, no one's expendable, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And even when things have to get done, you know, we, we, we take care of our business and we, we make sound decisions, but the person is valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I never took, um, a firing or anything like that, uh, I never took that lightly. I think that, you know, over the years, I we had, had, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 people that we had to let go of over the years and have those conversations with. And, you know, some of the more difficult ones are when they come out of the blue, right? You don't have time to prepare, to time to try to help them, you know, understand, hey, maybe you're not super happy here every single day, right? we're struggling in performance, maybe let's figure out what you're great at, whether it's here or somewhere else, but I'll help you and run alongside you. And we've got a few months to figure that out. But the ones that, that come to my mind are the ones that are the, the 
you know, there's just an order passed down and it has to happen. You have to do it quick. And we had that happen a couple of times. And I'll tell you, I mean, those are probably some of the more difficult days, not only of my career, but of my life, because this is my family. Um, and the fact that they knew that they were my family and that we had to do that type of stuff was very hurtful for me. But I'll tell you, I still have relationships with them to this day. Some are clients of mine, right? Um, and and all of them are friends, and I consider them family still and keep up with them. So, you know, I think that if you if you never look at it from the perspective that they're just getting a job done for something that you're leading, but they're actually people and humans that you're doing life with that have families of their own, that they're here and they're supporting. And um, I think that that really binds you together for the long run. So I think that's really important. Yeah, I've really been thinking a lot about um, being counterculture. And it, it in, uh, at least over here in the United States, there, it just seems like everyone is cutting everybody off. There's like a, it's so common to ghost people um, and, and do it in, uh, even the Christian church is talking about it, you know, cut people off, you know, they're, uh, uh, they, they have trauma, you know, they are, uh, they're not the ones to help you get to your calling or, you know, all that stuff. So treat them like someone that is expendable, you know, and there's gotta be a, a way to set boundaries while protecting the value of the person. So I don't know that that's just me and my soapbox thinking about things that I'm thinking about. Uh, but I, I love how you're building, you're continuing to build your business. What other things that you think are counterculture and and you think are helping you become successful with what you're doing? I think that, um, you know, really treating people as though I'm looking at my family across the table is an important aspect. In this industry, there are a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of money that floats around. And I think that it's really important that everything that you do, that, that I do, is for the best interest of the person that I'm, I'm working with at that moment that's right in front of me. Um, I got advice a long time ago, and I thought it was so simple but profound, which is wherever you are, be there. And I think there's so many distractions in the world today, whether it's cell phones or you know, the TV or the computer, or whatever it is that's going on in the background that we have difficulty focusing on the people that are in front of us, not just our family, but also our clients and the people that we do business with. And I think that that sets us apart. I think that doing what you said you would do is important, right? Delivering on things that you say that you'll do. Um, and I think that just, you know, being accessible is important too at this point. You know, a lot of times people hide behind, you know, uh, other people or companies or things like that and become not accessible. And I think nowadays in the era that we're in post COVID, especially in our industry where the market is up and down on different days, it's good to be accessible as well. So running it, like we said before, where we started like a family business that I would not only is the family working in the business, but also we treat people the way that we would treat our own family. And I think that that's really important. And you get that feel, right? Not just, I'm not talking about just our business, but you get that feel when you walk in somewhere. There's a place in downtown Oviedo at the roundabout. And so Jen and I went there, I don't know, probably two weeks ago for barbecue. And you can feel that it's a family business when you walk in the door. Like they treat you like family. 
here, try this. Here, they just made this the other day. You should give this a try, right? And so the same way that you can feel that food is cooked with love, I think you can feel that advice is cooked with love. So I think it's important. It reminds me of um, Andrea and I went to Claremont uh, a few weeks ago, and we had never been there before. And we saw this Italian marketplace. And, uh, you know, I, I used to live in Italy, so I was like, I, I'm always looking for, you know, good Italian marketplace that reminds me of living there. So we entered, and you could tell it was a family atmosphere. There was the kid, like a, a little older than a toddler, sitting at the register, just playing with a toy. And then you could tell, you could see the uh, uh, at least one guy was cooking in the back. And and then um, I looked back, and there's actually tables and seats. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they they like this is a restaurant too. So I asked the cashier and she goes, yeah, order what you want. We'll bring it back there and, and cook it up for you and, and and eat. So we did that. And and then there was this uh, a customer who was staying next to me. Oh, you got to try the calzone. It's the best. So I said, okay. So I ordered the calzone. We go back there and the waitress is just like roasting us. Like she's, she, she's just like making fun of us. And the, I guess there's a customer there who, who's a regular. He goes, hey, stop busting their balls, you know? And then she was like, what? They're cute. I got to say something, you know? And I was just like, oh, this is so awesome. You could tell, like, it's a family atmosphere. And 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 we went back. Like, we went back, like, uh, last weekend just because we got to be around that again. But you're right. There's a certain energy um, and feeling. And I think, you know, it's sad that what you just said, doing what you said you're going to do is countercultural. And it is. It is so countercultural now because one of the main things that I hear from people is people aren't consistent. Like I'm hearing people complain about like people they're dating or like people that uh, uh, they're friends with and they're saying they're, they're not consistent. But I see that. I see like nowadays it's hard to find people who will always do what they say they're going to do, right. you know? And so, man, you're bringing it, you're bringing it back home. You're bringing it back to the, the old values that really were never out of style. They just, you know, people just stopped doing them. I think that, you know, honesty, integrity, accountability, if you just live by those three things, then you're not going to go wrong. Right. I mean, between that and then, you know, I'm big into excellence. It's one of my top five values. And I think that treating those that we're with in an excellent way is important. But that trickles down to navigating your life with excellence. And that's something that I want to pour over into Connor as well. Right. Right. And so it's as little as if you're at a store and there's a napkin on the floor, we'll pick it up. Right. Leave it better than you found it. And I think that that's truly a definition of excellence, what you do when nobody else is looking, right? You don't do it because someone else is watching you do it. You do it because you're leaving something better than you found it. And that can hold true for a location, a place, people. And I think that's really important to, to factor in. Amen. By the way, that calzone was the best calzone I've ever had. <laughs> You know, you have to send me the place. I'll, 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 I'm going to text you. I'm going to text you so you could go. It's it's a great date for the family. Love it. And then when you want barbecue, come over this way and go to the roundabout Novito. 
Well, I'll tell you what, uh, if you guys are up for like a uh, double date or even bring, you know, uh, bring the baby, we'll go. <laughs> I, um, so let's, let's shine a light on, on you and your business. What is the future, uh, for your business now? Where, where do you see what's up and coming? Where's it going? Well, it's funny. Cause I remember you said you referenced how I prayed and planned but that's past tense. That never stopped, right? It's it's like to this day, that's still what happens on a daily basis. Um, I still to this day am praying, you know, every time that I'm coming in that that God puts the right people in front of me. Or if I have a, a client meeting or even today chatting with you here, you know, just please just blow the right words through me. Help me to help them understand better. It's not about me. It's about you. Right. And, and I think that that's just what I do on a daily basis. I am not trying to force anything, not trying to push anything. Of course, there's initiative that goes into it. I mean, I want to be excellent at my craft. So there's, there's initiative that goes into it and positioning ourselves in the right places at the right times with the right people. And I certainly do that on a consistent basis. But, you know, it, it's letting go of the things that you don't have control over and just allowing God to work through that. So, but I'll tell you, you know, for me, Something that was scary, this might be good for people as well. Something that was scary, the first year that I did this, um, I went back, I did a kind of an assessment of myself and of my clients. And I found that about 80% of the people that became new clients are people that I knew before I started here, meaning they were from more of a natural market, right? The other 20% I didn't, which I thought that's good, right? But it scared me going into the second year. Because I, I thought, I've depleted everybody that I already know then. How in the world am I going to talk to new clients or find new clients? And so I did an assessment after the second year. And what was incredible is only about 5% of the people that, that I brought on in the second year did I know before that year even started. So the referral system just took over at that point. And when I say referrals, I'm not just badgering people to give me people. What, I, what the key is, is that you make them feel welcomed and you make them feel it's an experience more than anything, right? It's not just advice that I gave them. It's how did I make them feel? And then how did I, do I make them feel consistently? I think that's really important with clients um, that you make them feel like they're important, like they're on the front of your brain and that you're always in communication with them and, and that you're always thinking about them. And so... That ended up, you know, even now to this day, I can tell you, you know, for this year, I may have known just a handful of people that I've done business with this year uh, before the year started. So a lot of it is referral based and I'm very fortunate for that. And it all starts with treating people the right way because referrals, I think it's funny. You go into a gym, I'll pick on the gym for a second. You go into a gym and you sign up for a membership. And what do they do before you can walk into the gym? They say, hey, fill this out and give us three names and three emails and three phone numbers of people that might want a membership here, right? And I'm thinking, I don't even know if I like it here, right? How can I recommend someone for this? It's the same way that if I hadn't eaten at the barbecue place or you hadn't eaten at the Italian place, how could you ever recommend that to somebody, right? You have to feel it, experience it, taste it. Because that's only the point whenever you're able to refer someone to something is when you, you've experienced it yourself. So 
I don't have a very disjointed way of asking for referrals or anything like that. Um, you know, maybe if I'm into a relationship with someone a year in, I may say to someone like John, man, this has been a great experience for me to get to know you. I wish that all of my clients were just like you, in fact. So please send them my way. I'll treat them the same way that I treated you. They'll be in good hands. And that's the same way as asking for a referral, but you're doing it after the fact and complimenting the client. And the other thing is I won't say that to people that I don't want more people like them either, right? <laughs> I am truthfully honest whenever I say that uh, because I do certainly appreciate clients and, and the people that they send over. Ed, you just said so much right there that's making my my mind race. Um, and like it, it, you could easily miss what he just said. <laughs> so first of all, I have spent tens of thousands of dollars of my own money just to become a better salesperson. I studied, I took courses, I learned from the best. I traveled just to meet, you know, certain people who were good at it and just be around them um, just to pick up. But here's the thing. Um, it all comes down to trust. None of that stuff works if you don't have trust. It will work for a certain amount of time, but it's just not sustainable because, you know, people can be stupid, but they eventually will catch on. We all make stupid mistakes and we all buy stuff that stupid things that we shouldn't buy. But the right. thing is we won't go back, you know, we will go back to the people we trust. And I think, I just think there is such an opportunity for people that that are good at getting trust and make sensible things. Like you said, why are you asking for referrals when I haven't even decided if I'm a customer yet? Why are you asking me referrals for that? That's such a dumb thing to do. But like, it makes no sense. But guys, if you become, if you use some amount of emotional intelligence and treat people like people and earn trust and and foster trust, you could do really good at sales. You could do really good at business because there's so many people doing it wrong. And that the best time to do, some, to do something right is when most people are doing it wrong. And that's what's happening right now. Most people are just trying to scrape the barrel and, and they're not worrying about people's hearts and, and well-being. Um, and I think that's why you're doing well, man. I mean, it's just like, be that diamond in the rough, right? Be that, be that one that shines eventually. I honestly believe that. I honestly believe that the light, God made it that way, that in the darkness, the light, no matter how small, will, will never be overcome by the darkness. And that light will shine and do its thing. Yep. Absolutely. I think it's important to to always keep that in mind that you can be that light, right? Right. We can be that light. And it doesn't matter what we do as a profession. Our mission field is daily wherever we are and whatever we're doing and the people we're in front of, right? If we truly believe that God puts us in positions on a daily basis to be in front of people, well, my business and my personal is not separate, right? Like right. I am a God-loving financial advisor and that's what happens. And our conversations go that route. And 
you know, it's not, um, I'm not here beating someone over the head with things, but I give an example. This is a, this is a pretty interesting one. So over the weekend, um, we were at a car dealership, my wife and I were and Connor. And so, you know, I, I really look for people that I can trust. Same people. I want someone to help me that I feel like they'll help me the same way that I would help them. Right. With a heart and not being desperate and building a long-term relationship. So we're there. And, and he says, like, he, he understands that. I've made it clear to him the kind of person that I am and what I'm looking for. And he says to me, oh, you're a financial advisor. I need some advice. He said, um, should I play, pay my medical bill? I said, well, if you've got the medical treatment, you should probably pay your medical bills, right? And so he says, well, here's the problem. I went to the hospital and told them I was homeless so I could get it for free. And I said, well, first of all, I said, I can't separate my values with my advice. I said, so my first thing I, I would tell you is you need to call the hospital, tell them that you lied to them, and see if they might have some grace to work with you. And from that point forward, I mean, he knew that I wasn't his type of client and he was not my type of car guy. So at the end of the day, we separated at that point. But but it's so true that, and Jen and I were talking afterwards, that I, and she said, boy, I wish that that would have gone a little bit different. I said, you know what? I said, you're right. I wish it would have too. But, and Jen actually prayed on the way into the dealership, please lead us to the right person to help us with this. And I said, you know, God works in weird ways. Sometimes he leads us to the wrong people to help us avoid something. And so in that situation, I felt like maybe that's just the type of message that he needed to hear that day, um, you know, for moving forward, you know, and maybe nobody's ever called him out on that kind of stuff or told him that. And, and I'm certainly not wanting to make him feel bad in any way, but I wanted him to know that I think that when you do things with integrity, that it's really important. And I, I didn't think that he was. And so I can't trust that he would treat me that way either. So. That's right. Everywhere we are is a mission field, no matter who's in front of you, whether you're working, not working at church, not at church. I, I really believe that. But but also it's, 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 if you see somebody acting a certain way that, that goes against your values, you know, what makes you think they won't do that to you, you know? Um, and so you have to look for what they call it, red flags <laughs> and pay attention to them. <laughs> But I've prayed for him since then. Like, I really hope, you know, it's funny, Jen and I were talking afterwards too. And she's like, you know, you know when I would work with him? If he called and said that he did call and he did pay that. And that because of what we talked about, it really like changed his heart a little bit. Yeah. You know, that would, that would show maturity, I think. And I think that that's, what's really interesting is, you know, I could have just avoided the topic. Right. Right. And I could have just kind of swept it under the rug, but that's, to me, that's wrong. You know, and Jesus was certainly accepting of people, but he certainly was happy to call them out too, right? Amen. I think that that's where we miss things, especially in today's world where everybody's combating and, you know, fighting against everything. You know, well, right. well, people tell Christians, well, Jesus was accepting of everybody. Well, that's true. Jesus loved everybody. But he also was very quick to call people out when they were going down the wrong path to try to help them in a loving way get on the right path. Right. I think that that's where we miss it. As Christians, we become very like we, we take a back seat sometimes and we get scared of what the other person's going to say if we do the second part, right? We can love them, but we also need to be able to be confident in calling them out and loving them through the process of change. Right. So, That's awesome. Now, we're approaching at the end of our time. Is uh, 
Is there anything you want to say to the audience? I'll leave the floor to you. No, I just hope that everybody keeps listening to this show. You know, I, I, you are somebody that I massively look up to, always have. Um, and you reported to me, I looked up to you. So oh, man. I think that there are so many things from not only your guests, but yourself. I hope that during your conversations, a lot of times that you provide your leadership insight and your entrepreneurial spirit, because I don't know anybody as good at that, at that as you. And so I think that that's a really, this is a really great thing that you're doing. I think that this is really up your alley and you're doing what God's calling you to do with this. Uh, that means a lot, Mark. I loved having you over and you know, I love you, man. Thanks for being on. Love you too. This was fun. Thank you. Hey, I hope you liked the show. If you got something from it and want to bless me back, leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and also subscribe to my channel. If you want to connect with me on social media, my Instagram is at kingdom.moves. I pray that God gives you hope and that you step into everything he's got planned for you. Peace. Peace.